You're listening to Those Canadian Lads Podcast. Here are your hosts, Jeff and Brad. You may have tuned in last week to Those Canadian Lads Podcast and got a fantastic political discussion. Unfortunately, we have to make some changes. I invested into some great stocks last week named GameStock and AMC, and we may have to shut this down because I hit it rich, mother... Psych, I did not, but I wish I did. Jeff, this is Those Canadian Lads Podcast, episode 13. Lucky 13. Lucky 13, how's it going today? I'm... I'm still alive. We'll call it that way. So He's living. He didn't uh, invest in in the old Reddit scheme. No, I, I didn't. Um, I yeah. Let's let's touch on that. Uh, I do. I have a wonderful analogy on how my day shaped up, and I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, and I've been known to do that. As I acknowledged, I'm Grumpy Jeff to my family members. But um, today, I'm not. I'm not going to divulge too much because my work is my work. But today was the equivalent of. I got put in an airtight box. And in that box, they said, you have enough air to ride out your 12-hour shift. And don't worry, as long as you just keep it easy, you'll survive. And then they put a 300-pound guy in a treadmill in the same box with me, sprinting as hard as he could, and said, now survive. Did his heart explode? Well, it probably would have if I hadn't left at 4 o'clock. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to those Canadian Lads podcasts. We have, I think, an exciting show, though Jeff has been uh decompressed for the day, so uh <laughs> it'll it'll make things interesting. I know at the beginning of the day when we were texting, you were pretty uh pretty jacked, and then things changed. So it's uh it's the way things go in COVID era. So yeah. Well, I, I think the day can the day is whatever that you make of it, to be fair. Now I, I started with a positive attitude. Um and sometimes things just don't work out. But as I said, I don't want to drag my work life into anything. So so how are you doing tonight, Brad? Enlighten us in towards positivity. No, I'm good. I'm doing good. Obviously I, I didn't have somebody uh put a three hundred pound fatty in my my box and he, he ran and sweated all over me and uh, stank up the show. But no, that uh, that didn't happen. Uh, tonight, you might tell your listener that I decided to plug in my microphone, which you may have noticed. Uh, I did the entire uh, episode last week without uh, a plugged in microphone. And uh, that might have sounded terrible on your side. So one, I greatly apologize. Uh, this week, is the sesh? It's our, our it's our monthly roundup where we kind of get together and uh, talk about multiple topics, and of course the topic du jour uh, at hand. I've sent Jeff a few uh, Twitter feeds of current events in the in the old uh, paranormal UAP uh, uh, sitch situation. So yeah, so but tonight's the sesh, and uh, yeah, we've got uh, lots to talk about, but Jeff, yeah, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing okay. The Oilers are back to 500, 500, <laughs> getting uh, two big wins against the Ottawa Senators, who you and I would both probably score goals. Uh, oh, you, 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 those sick clappers at the lake. 
<laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm I'm totally geared up to play against the Senators team. I uh, it was asked of me what I thought of the older season today, and I responded to a Montreal fan by saying, "Well, if they could play the Senators every night, we'd be fine." <laughs> so, I obviously a team that's under construction. Um, uh, Matt Murray looks like a shell of his former self. I don't know what's wrong with that guy's mind, but. Uh, but yeah, it, good for the Oilers to seal a couple wins. Everyone gets to beat up on the Senators apparently this year. So it's just the Oilers' chance this time. So as a breather, for as an Oilers fan, like last week I had one foot out of the bandwagon. I was ready to jump off, you know, get my leg clipped by a, a moving car or something like that, <laughs> be devastatedly injured. But uh, this week, both feet are planted so, solidly into the uh, – into the vehicle. Uh, the Oilers defense is shoring up. Bouchard looked amazing mm-hmm. last night uh, as he was uh, referenced as a young potential Ryan Suter, who uh, was very, uh, by Jack Michaels on the broadcast, who uh, was very, very quiet in his game, but, you know, brought the brought the noise when it came to jumping up in the play and, and putting some pucks on net. I didn't catch that during the broadcast. Now, truth be told, uh, an eight o'clock start doesn't work in Jeff's world when he gets up at 5 a.m. So not that it's going to be. Dear listener, eight o'clock Mountain Standard Time. Mountain. So that's 10 Eastern for you listeners in Ontario and in Virginia who keep on listening. I <laughs> I honestly think it's the CIA. So thank you for listening, I, CIA. I had I had that same thought that the NSA was probably just automatically records every podcast and out of Virginia. So I was like, oh, well, like, I guess we got some listeners and a security yeah, measurement. That's fine by me. But the I, I didn't catch that during the broadcast. I I got to imagine as a young player, though, being compared to a guy like Suter, uh, probably I don't think I'd really want that at the age of 21. It's a little bit of a heavy load to carry, especially when like defensemen can get torn apart at a young age. So but uh, no, he did look good. Um, The Oilers have bounced back quite a bit, which I'm definitely happy with. Uh, I definitely love the idea that Skinner uh, actually got the start on Sunday. And every time he makes a save or lets it go, they can play that Simpsons. Super Nintendo Chalmers yelling Skinner. I'm I'm down for that no matter what. But but no, a uh, good turnaround. Uh, the one thing that does kind of weird me out, and I I'm kind of a little bit of a glutton for uh, power rankings. I don't know why I do it for every. I do it for baseball. I do it for football. Power I do it for, rankings. Well, it, it's such a ridiculous thing. Like it's it's valid for about twelve hours, and yeah, it's such a stupid segment to read on ESPN or TSN or whatever. But. <laughs> But you scroll through the power rankings and it's just like, okay, yeah, a lot of the teams are doing well. Some some teams are 7-1-3 and three and 8-1-2. and two. Like, there's some really good teams. The top 15 teams all have six, seven, eight wins. And then the bottom teams all have three or four. There's like this huge gap from 15 and downwards. And not all even in games. So oh, it's no, like- it's completely different. <laughs> But like that, that brings me to my second point. Is this like the Oilers are currently enjoying like a four day break, but they've played more games than everyone. Why? Why was the schedule so condensed? Because of COVID nineteen. But it doesn't even make sense. You can play every other. There's nothing in the arenas. You can play every other night. Nothing would affect it. Jeff, blame everything on COVID nineteen. The government will give you money if you do that. Oh yeah, yeah. No, well that's. Uh... We'll have to bring Bo back on to talk about that. Oh. <laughs> so, okay, back to Bo. So, 
let's give the listeners a, a little bit of analytics into our our listenership. Uh, the po- apparently people really really like to listen to us talk about politics, and the political rodeo is now one and two in our top listened uh, uh, podcasts. Yeah, as I said, that that to me more means that Bo has a lot of friends and family who are willing to tune in for his thoughts on what's That's going the on. Bo <laughs> the Bo effect, but. I do. Uh, let's assume that it's not that, that it's just Bo only mentioned to a few casual friends that he was going to be on a random low level podcast in hey, Western Canada. We're up and coming, baby. Hey, well, they, we love to build up. We got to start somewhere. But it does seem weird to me that people would tune in for a Canadian political podcast. Now, I know we talked touched on many subjects, including American politics and, uh, countries out of asia of course but <laughs> which country would that be that would Jeff? be china but china it did seem like a it does seem weird that all of a sudden we would have a bump in listenership for it and maybe that's the virginia connection <laughs> <laughs> they like those canadian politics or yeah maybe just checking to make sure we don't say anything like stupid like that we're gonna hunt down agent orange and kill him once again thanks eminem for that but I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, uh, Eminem had threatened uh, Trump and his daughter in a song, and the CIA confirmed that they went to visit him at his home to confirm that he wasn't actually a threat to the president. Oh, I thought when you said Eminem, you were talking about the delicious treats. Oh, I have those in the pantry as well. But (laughs) but, no, it just seems weird to me that somebody would actually assume that a lyric that Eminem said was legit. (laughs) Hey, he can get access to Trump. He's a celebrity. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, but obviously, a lot of topics were discussed and um, stuff that like was brought up that neither one of us was an expert in by any measure. And as a result, I think we both did a little bit of side research in regards to a few items of you know interest, effectively. And, 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 uh, and I'm glad you're segueing into this because obviously the big topic was the Great Reset. And how China is involved with the Great Reset and how China is going to affect all of our lives. So, Jeff, uh-huh. <laughs> give me your take. You did the more you did the research, baby. Give us the take on the and I'm calling you baby for the rest of the show. All right, I appreciate I'm that. Fifties disc jockey on this episode. <laughs> well, it's give, def- it to, give it to me straight, baby. It's definitely uh, brightening up my day. So, um, I will no, listen. I, there's only so much research you can do in a day, and I'll also admit to being distracted by something else that we can talk about later. It's only probably interesting to me, but so. Bo had brought up the Great Reset. Well, you both had brought up the Great Reset. And of course, I had said to you, I'm like, hey, you brought this up in regards to a video with Trudeau and you offered really no evidence to what it was or anything. So so I did I did do some like uh some light research, and I'm sure there's plenty more to go. And I will definitely, you know, it's probably a good opportunity if Bo listens to this or anyone else for that matter who comes on oh, in the he future. Promised. He's listening to it. He's there he's checking this out. Good, good. And, and I will definitely invite anybody to you know, come, uh, you know, explain why my light research is incorrect or why I might be downplaying something or overplaying something. So so let's lay it out um, from what I can ascertain. So the uh, Economic World Forum, that's what it is, right? So this is a gathering of that's been taking place since 1971 uh, in uh, Switzerland. 
Uh, fact check me along the way, by the way, if I get any of this shit wrong. But um, it definitely seems to be a organized non-government organization comprised of business leaders, government officials, economists, celebrities, like Sharon Stone talked at it some time ago, raised a bunch of money in regards to something. But uh, it's just generally, it seems like a festival of economics, um, or at least the inverse to how certain people believe the world economy should be run. So obviously this has been taking place since 1971. And I was kind of curious about why in 2021, everyone's concerned about what they have to say all of a sudden. And quite frankly, maybe it's that people have always been concerned about what they say. I just couldn't find any evidence to that. And then I started thinking about the term, the great reset. It sounds like marketing to me. So then I went and looked up their old mantras and their old slogans for previous years. Things like shaping the post-crisis world, rethink, redesign, rebuild. That was 2010, by the way. The Great Transformation, 2012. And creating a shaped future in a fractured world, 2018. Hey, was there the Great Ascension? No, but just like that term, it sounds illustrious. It sounds important. It sounds like there might be something behind it. But when you look at what the Economic World Forum is, it's really nothing. They have no government influence. The They are comprised of generally large business entities. If you go look on their webpage, uh, there's a metric ass ton of rich companies that are part of this and government officials that attended, including world leaders from Canada to China across the board here. So I'll just touch on that. So if there's companies involved and companies that do most of them like to make a profit? Of course they do. So it doesn't really add up to the whole conspiracy theory that like, like let's just use like a Walmart. If a Walmart's involved in the great reset, why would they want to, I don't know, push that agenda? Well, and so this is once again why I started looking up some of the countries that are on there. Now, as I said, it's world players. Uh, you can go look it up yourself. But like Apple, one of the ones that caught my attention, though, was BP. Now, British Petroleum? That's correct. Okay. So BP's on there. And BP, uh, now don't get me wrong, I didn't go look up their annual report because once again, there's only enough hours in the day. But BP, for the general general part of their business, requires that as citizens, we buy their product. We go about, we have freedom to go do what we want, go explore our country, drive, buy products, buy plastics, buy polymers. Everything that is created in this planet is a consumerist product, and BP supplies some of the base of those products. Why would BP want to usurp their business model by preventing anybody from having enough capital to buy their products that they help manufacture. So I was kind of a little bit skeptical of that. And at the same time, I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm just completely wrong. I'm just trying to think logically about why certain things, maybe I haven't dove in quick enough in regards to why maybe right-wing, right-wing people or left-wing people think that this uh, is a conspiracy that needs to be addressed. And one of the things that I came up, of course, was that from the right perspective, I, I tracked down a few articles, a few thoughts. Obviously, people like Ben Shapiro uh, and other everyone else has talked about this type of stuff. 
But depending on where you find the research from, it's either a green socialist Venezuela, George Soros, forced vaccine dictatorship in a reset, or it's a big pharma, GMO, biometric implants, 5G, robot, dog, forced vaccine dictatorship. So it's like, depending on whatever spectrum you want to kind of jump into, you're looking at this and going, hey, this is a bad organization. I don't want to listen to them. So what are they after then? And once again, because I'm a little bit skeptical and I don't really think that anything does anything, because let's face it, people are lazy. This organization can be lazy too. Here's my theory, and I could be completely wrong. One of the things that's popular, especially in American politics, is the quote unquote Green New Deal. Other American, other Canadian, sorry, American Canadian governments, other world governments have jumped on the train of saying, hey, we want to be part of the Paris Climate Accord. We want to be part of this green new energy, green new money idea. But it's difficult to do that. And it requires real change in your economy. But what if we say we're going to do it? And hey, we're part of this group that says they want to do it. But if we keep saying we're going to do it, we never actually have to do it. We have an entire organization built up of the world economy, world leaders, huge businesses that say, we want to be part of this. And I'll use, uh, sorry, and I will say, I don't know for sure that GM's part of this, but GM is getting behind the electric vehicle. They are saying that they're going to get rid of all their gasoline powered engines by 2035. Once again, fact check me. But okay, you can manufacture an electric vehicle. Where does the power for electricity come from? Well, let's look at East Lansing, Michigan, which I believe is the headquarters of GM, or at least it's in that area. Their entire power grid is coal powered. Okay, so you create an electric vehicle that's powered by coal. Are you making a difference or are you marketing the fact that you're a green new company? And that's exactly what I think this is. I like it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> no, I, I like I like the thought behind the the research, right? And you know, having an opinion on this is it's obviously affecting uh, people on either side of the spectrum, right? And you know, to have a different perspective of it than you know, it's just one country and uh, dictating you know a certain thing. But you know, you might not be far off. But there is definitely a push uh, for obviously green energy and green products essentially and you know, that that news this about gm just came out last week that they're right. going to be moving to electric vehicles ford's going to start building um electric trucks i believe in oakville ontario you know so you know it's uh it's interesting to see kind of the shift that being said it only takes one administration change of a different government with a different viewpoint to come in and change that thinking you look at the space program in the states you know, they can't get traction because of the platforms from different governments coming in with different spending, different, you know, initiatives that they want to grow. You know, they haven't gone to the moon because it's not, you know, since this, you know, the 70s, because it's, you know, they don't want to go. They haven't gone to the moon or Mars because they can't get their poop in a group. And uh, they keep changing, you know, the administration uh, and the spending budgets of these these programs um, every other year as a new government comes in. And um, I think this is exactly what that can be too, right? Like the, the liberal government is obviously, you know, they punished the Canadian citizen with uh, carbon taxes. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, it, it, it's just, a, it's just a, another way of taxation to try to, you know, get more money out of the public because like they're not getting re revenues from other sources. Right. So um, 
they're they're going to hit us either way, you know, with what's going on. But uh, you know, I think you're I think you're onto something there. And you know, if you look at it from a centralist point of view, um, that's kind of you know, kind of an interesting take. Well, I just and once again, like discussing the carbon tax now. I understand the theory behind it is the idea that, okay, well, perhaps if the money leaving your wallet immediately, even though it should be returned at tax time to, I don't know, what is 80% of the citizens of this country, but maybe you'll choose not to spend your money on that exact measure. But realistically, once we get used to spending money, nobody changes. We all just kind of keep going. Like I, I know the city of Edmonton uh, is shooting to have like um, more bike lanes, more uh, public transport, but they do have a goal and I'll say 2035, but I don't truly, I don't remember what the year was, but they would hope that half, we would go from 80% of our drive, 80% of our um, movement is in our vehicles to down to 50%. Well, fine. That's a great goal. However, Edmonton's not built like that. The public transportation system, which Trust me, like I'm sure it's gotten better since I was in junior high, high school, and college. It's not great. It's let's uh, let's educate our listeners from Virginia and Italy <laughs> and the, the UK. Uh, Edmonton, Alberta, is a vast, large city uh, in size, not in population. It's uh, it sprawls quite a bit. Um, it snows half of the year, and it's snow and ice, so nobody's riding their bike during the winter months and uh we're not we don't have a very large loser cruiser um busing system that allows people to easily uh, access quick public transit uh though they sure love investing in uh projects that uh go past uh budget and in time and in in dollar amount so uh, <laughs> i think that's called a budget <laughs> yeah budgets <laughs> budgets get on the budget train man no but like as i said like i I've, things may have gotten better since i went to high school and college but uh, like as, a, as somebody who grew up in the west end of edmonton next to probably the largest transit center uh at west edmonton mall everyone knows the mall of course but my i used to for my 815 class in high school I used to catch the bus at 6.15. That's why I can get up at 5 a.m. now and work out because I had to go catch the bus in minus 30 degree temperatures when I was 14. My dad used to drive me to school. Uh, my parents had no interest in that. <laughs> <laughs> I, used to, I used to hitch rides with friends, though. That, that, that was soft. Helped. Yeah, I was a soft kid. Oh, man, it didn't toughen me up. It just made me hate the bus. <laughs> well, when that. you grow up on the north side, you know, yeah. <laughs> You take you take what, what God gives you. <laughs> if your daddy gives you a ride to school, who, oh, who's, a, who's a fond listener of the podcast, so he's probably sitting there grinning. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I did drive those idiots to class every day. I yeah no it's um I it's a, anytime somebody was like hey uh if you skip class now or if you want to wait an extra hour uh my mom can drive us home I did those things I was like forget it I'm the if I get as I said it was like a two hour bus ride if I could if I shave off an hour it was well worth it <laughs> even if I was sitting around oh yeah man but no it's true it's Edmonton's not a a city built for public transit. No, you got to lay that foundation early on in your history. Like I, you and I, we mentioned we've traveled to New York. Uh, I've been to London. Um, LA doesn't have good public transportation, but 
But no, no, there's there's tons of cities that have great infrastructure for it. Edmonton just doesn't happen to be one of them. Vancouver's is quite good too, actually. So yeah, actually Vancouver's is amazing. Going there for for business, you know, flying in, jumping on the train, going right downtown. I you know flew out in the morning, made it to a conference in the morning. You know, right from the airport, didn't even have to jump in a cab. Walked right to my conference and booyah. Oh yeah, no that the, I think it's called the Canada Line in Vancouver. That that I love that thing. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's awesome. Whereas Edmonton, you know, the but, airport is oh middle of nowhere, in the middle of a farm field. Yeah, but once again, uh, the city of Edmonton coming out with goals. Hey, we're going to try to do this. Well, let's face it. You don't really have to ever deliver. You don't have to actually. Oh, we're gonna make all these companies go with green energy initiatives or not become green billionaires. Like you just have to kind of say you're doing it. It's it's a way to get everyone off your back for probably 20 years. And that's that's all it is, in my opinion. So I like it. All right. Great reset. For Great. those listeners, give us your feedback on what you think the great reset is, because uh <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a few with a, a few questions for, for Jeff specifically, because I prefer the conspiracy theories, to be honest. <laughs> hey, as somebody who loves UFOs, and quite frankly, I've got a little bit of another paranormal thought to to talk about at a later time of the show here. But hey, I'm into it. It's just that if you poke holes in it, or you kind of look at the logical, uh, logical where it's coming from, it, it just kind of falls apart a little bit sometimes. But but you had mentioned to me that you did a little bit of research after our previous show as well about something that was discussed. Oh, yeah. No, we got to talk about this because I was intrigued by a book, a book that uh, (laughs) a book I did. I that book that I did not read. I bought I bought the audio version because reading. Yeah. Why? It's uh, it's 2021, man. I want to get I'm not trying to put you in a weird spot. I love the idea that both of you recommended and discussed a book you hadn't read i think I it's know, fantastic I felt, bad. I felt <laughs> bad and then as i listened to it we were completely off base <laughs> we were like completely off base like no no this is not a good book like <laughs> i felt i felt bad for the boomers after getting into this into this book so okay first of all you know what? If you want to listen to somebody be condescending, uh, if, if you want somebody to put down your parents, if they're boomers, uh, and blame them for all their problems in the world, I would highly recommend a, a book by Helen Andrews called Boomers, The Men and Women Who Promised, Promised Freedom. Uh, what's the, the rest of the title here? I can't, I can't read tonight. I'm having some problems. <laughs> The, the men and women who promised freedom and delivered disaster written by a millennial who has some conservative views and who blames the boomers for not being able to buy a house or not being able to have a family and not being able to get the proper education that she was entitled to. This is a book of entitlement. Do not read it. That is my review. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> did you would you care to give some examples it's condescending shit is what it is oh god it's condescending as hell do not spend the 16 dollars to listen to this book okay so like in all seriousness and I, i'm trying to buy myself a little bit of time here because i do have some thoughts on something similar but um 
what what about it? Like, obviously, I'm assuming this author is a a younger young, not a boomer. Obviously, somebody probably a millennial. What a millennium? Millennial. Millennial. So she she makes millennials. I know a lot of people from the millennial era, and she makes them look bad. Is what they she does. Oh, okay. So what what is it that she was tearing apart like i i know there's everyone always likes to tear apart the generation that comes before them and say like hey you didn't give us a fighting chance because of this type of stuff but but obviously <laughs> just ice skating <laughs> obviously you just don't enjoy the book and you can't, you just can't get around any thought of it so. i've been honestly been getting through it and it's just like what a dumb book <laughs> and I'm going to do, like, honestly, I'm going to write an essay. I'm going to go back to, uh, what was, what do they call it? English? Was it English 30? Did we have, they call it English high school? Yeah, English 30, yeah. I'm going to go back to my English 30 days, because at one point in my life, I wanted to be a broadcaster, and now I'm living out my dream for free, doing it on a podcast, which I think is the coolest thing ever. I don't have to, you know, get deep into things to become out a broadcaster and make no money. Uh, but that being said, uh, I'm going to go back. I'm going to do, a, I'm going to do an essay. I think maybe, maybe we'll do a, we talked about doing this book club. I can read we need it. To get I... this, yeah. We need to get this book in your hands, but it honestly, it's, it's just the blame game. And it's just like trying to pick up on the whole boomer thing and make fun of it. And, and in my opinion, it's, it's trash is what it is it's condescending trash <laughs> so when you when you originally brought that up i mentioned i'm trying to buy myself time because i was trying to find the um the name of the book and an author that i had read semi-recently but uh your thoughts immediately and now i'm not going to necessarily relate your um your experience with this boomer book with my experience with this book but i had read the problem with everything by megan dom uh and i you know she's i think she's got a podcast and she's uh i've heard her do some interviews and uh, she's, it's a well-written book. Um, she's a Gen Xer who has kind of looked upon the world from how the millennials have shaped it to a certain extent in regards to our social cues, how we treat uh, topics that used to be uh, taboo, such as um, uh, money, uh, homosexuality, uh, the AIDS uh, epidemic from the 80s, and I'm going to say the early 90s, but it's probably in the 70s and 80s, to be honest. But uh, and she kind of tears apart how the millennials have gone about things. And now as somebody closer to her age group, well, I, I guess I'm right on the cusp of that age group, but I definitely uh, see that more from a Gen X, pers- Gen X perspective. But at the, although I didn't really disagree with it, I was like, do I really want to be of the same frame of mind where I'm bitching and moaning about everyone around me? Like, I, like even if there are valid points at a certain point, you just kind of be like, well... I'm just going to live my own life, aren't I? Just kind of keep going. And I, I know there's things that are beyond our control. And uh, we talked about issues like that that exist in our world all the time. But it's just like at a certain point in time, it's just like I can blame a group that's older than me and I can blame a group that's younger than me. But I can still just go live my life and everything will be fine. I don't know. She ties to tie to like post-societies throughout history and the ones that become before it. And... <sighs> You know, <laughs> like exasperated. <laughs> I am. I just okay. I I give it a zero. If we have a rating system, I give it zero lads out of five because it was. Do not spend the money on this book. We'll swap. Bo, up. if you're listening, I'm 
terribly disappointed that I spent that money on it. But he didn't read uh, it either, he said. <laughs> well, he, well, I'm the one who read it now. <laughs> you know, and, okay. it's, like, and it's a conservative perspective. And I'm a, you know, I think I'm a conservative person, you know, kind of sit in the middle. Like, I don't know. It just wasn't for, it wasn't for me. I did not like it. Well, we'll, we'll definitely, we'll, we'll, we'll get this book club going and we'll, we'll tie it in with documentaries too, because I don't always want to read a, I don't oh, think we're going to, yeah. we're not going to agree. We're not going to agree on every book that we want. We're going to need a different name than book club because uh, maybe the, uh, learned session info squad info squad (laughs) yeah um if if you're done with the boomer trashing um (laughs) yeah let's move on because to be honest with you i i don't even want to like i i I think about that book now and i'm like what a pile of garbage (laughs) so one of the other things that we were discussing and i was poking holes in the um you you have to give me the journalist name again the guy from rebel keenan bexty keenan bexty okay i I think so yeah yeah i i don't know i i stumbled upon him on twitter again but and here here, so one of the things that i i got two different stories about this and one of the things that is kind of come to mind is we were kind of all expressing different uh, media, media outlets that we trust. Now, uh, I joke that nobody listens to the CBC, so we don't need to discuss the CBC. Uh, I actually find like publications like the Globe and Mail, and I find Global News to be, I find them reputable, and I can get enough information out of them. Then I go you know, to other outlets for other things too. But in regards to certain things, like you have to, and I, what I was kind of trying to really double down on at the podcast was that Regardless of where you're getting the information from or the news from, you really should look at it from a critical point of view. You should do some critical thinking in regards to why it makes sense or, hey, maybe I can figure out where you're coming from. And the two thoughts I had on it, and once again, Keenan Begsy. Sure. Sure. He's doing a story about how the Canadian government's changed their um, protocols when you travel back into the country and that you're going to have to you know, stay at a hotel for uh, a 10 day period, you're going to pay 2000 bucks, you got to get tested, blah, blah, blah. And hey, listen, I, I have thoughts on it too. But if I have thoughts on it, I'm not going to be saying things like, oh, I'm at the airport and I see Trudeau's public security team waiting for people. It's like the hyperbole, hyperbole of what you want to talk about. And don't get me wrong, Fox News does this, CNN does this. It's like, you become very transparent and I don't need to listen to you anymore as a result of that, because I know where you're coming from. It's like, it's so easy to point out. Yeah. It definitely doesn't sit on like the objective scale of of what's going on now, kind of on that topic. What is your thoughts of the new, I guess, is it a, would it be a protocol or procedure for people traveling into Canada to, uh, from international sites to on their own dime, um, stay in a hotel. I, I find it actually almost criminal. Like this, like in, and I, I, it's criminal in the sense that they implemented this quite quickly and didn't really give people a chance to, you know, kind of filter through it. And then I have another take on snowbirds who now <laughs> who have flown down there. And I'm like, I'm also, I'm, I'm almost hoping that some of these people get caught just so we get some of these fun news stories of, you know, Karens of the world freaking out. I can't believe Justin Trudeau did this to me. <laughs> How can you believe this? I, 
I, I'm not going to go as far as saying it's criminal, uh, per se. Now, it's messed up is what it is. I, 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 yeah, I, I disagree with it in the sense that I think there's a better way of going about this. Um, and quite frankly, too, like there's been stories during the whole year about people like traveling to Hawaii and, oh, you're in Hawaii, you're supposed to spend two weeks in your hotel room. And then the guy's taking a picture on the beach six hours later. It's just like, these are what people are. But I, I, I do think I, I think it was implemented very quickly with not giving people a lot of opportunity to probably adjust accordingly, which I have a bit of an issue with. Now, that being said, we've been told not to travel. We discussed the Alberta politicians traveling over the Christmas break and, you know, we held them accountable. So I, it, it's kind of a catch as catch can, I guess, to a certain extent. But yeah, it's it. it I really <laughs> I'm not going to die on a sword either way. Like, <laughs> like I said, like if you want to travel, travel, like that's your opinion. But now that the government's putting all these things in place, you really hear people's voices come out on one side or the other. And it's always like, Oh, poor me. Or yeah, burn in hell. You traveling, you're going to kill us all. It's like, what the hell is going on? You see it on, 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 Oh, I'll give you a prime example. Jason Kenny like lightly relaxes some of the restaurants and some of the gyms, things that we love. We love to eat. We love to socialize. We love to work out. Well, you do. And I'm hopefully one of these days I will. Um, but get under the bar. Stand by to get some. There was people on Twitter. A lit, uh, one tweet i literally saw is this is like this is criminal i, I was cry i cried when i saw this uh <laughs> no seriously like this lady said she cried and she said why wouldn't they just pay to keep people stay at home and i'm like who the fuck is paying for this we are we can't afford it right now you know it's like we need the economy to get rolling there's not an endless supply of money to give us to stay at home it doesn't work that way and then people and it's devastating to see there are social programs currently being cut out of the UCP government uh the Alberta government because of what's going on we need money if there's no money there's no good things that we can take care of each other with yeah, obviously money is not an unlimited resource. You know, there has to be somebody footing the bill at a certain point. I do I do love this thing in society now where everyone's, once again, emotional reaction to things is over the top. And it's easy to just use the term Karen, but like on a light note, I'll bring it up to like, did you see the people in Atlanta yelling at LeBron James? No. Well, once again, I, I give a little bit of credit. This was a woman on courtside seats screaming at LeBron James about something about how he eyeballed her husband or something. Now, <laughs> the likelihood that LeBron James eyeballed and said something to your husband without being provoked is next to nil. Like, this guy is, like, one of the most famous human beings on the planet and one of the richest ones as a result, too. But, but I love the idea that she was, like, screaming that she was going to kick the shit out of him. I'm like, you understand? He's, like, a superior athlete compared to your five-foot-nothing, 110-pound ass. But, like, but why are people so emboldened to express themselves like this? It's totally the whole online thing. It's this new world we live in where you just lose your mo your ever-loving mind over things. It's just like, no, Jason Kenny, you're a monster. How could you open a restaurant and let us eat uh, four at a table? Ah! Well, I do. I, I would. I do wonder how long we're going to have those restrictions lifted when they already like the next the next day. They're like, 
oh, well, if you also test positive, and I don't know if it's for the new variant or just COVID in general, it's like, oh, now you have to quarantine for 24 days. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, I, I don't see how the two go hand in hand, but. But what, okay, so, okay, <laughs> and they're like, no, we're going to do the, we're doing the right thing. We're, we're going to keep our staff safe and we're not going to open. Well, what happens when you go out of business? <laughs> like, well, so actually, so like, what, like, do you really have a plan for this? Like, is that a good plan? Well, uh, so uh, we did talk about that a little bit, like in regards to like, there are ways to support local restaurants without actually e-dining in and, you but know, like not even opening at all. Oh, well, then, like, that's your choice then. But we're doing the right thing. We're not going to put our kitchen staff at risk either. But I do like, and I, I, I don't think the restaurant did this. I think the news kind of did it to a certain extent and I'll, I'll hold global accountable. So there is a fantastical burger place here in St. Albert. Uh, truth be told, listener, I don't live in Edmonton. I live in St. Albert, which is just north of the city. So uh, where the Richie Riches live. No, it's well, it is where our taxes are insane for some reason. And our lighting system is horrific. Uh, Kathy Haran, you need to fix the lights in this city. It takes me 15 minutes to get out of here. But anyways, Jack's Burger Shack is a phenomenal burger place and poutine place in downtown St. Albert. They were interviewing the owner on Global about how he was choosing to only stick with pickup and delivery services for the food uh, instead of having dine-in. Well, their restaurant fits like maybe eight people at the best of times. So there's no way to social distance in that place. So That's fake news. Well, it's just like, yeah, that's not a good example. If a giant restaurant in downtown Edmonton, like um, uh, whatever that beer place on Rice Howard Way is, if, if they choose not to open and they got a facility the size of like a Rexall place, then yeah, that means something. If your restaurant can fit eight people, then yeah, you're not going to open anyways. Yeah. No, so not a good example. It's always, it's always skewed, right? But I just like, I, I cried when Jason Kenny made the news that we were going to open up things again. <laughs> there's, there's 250 cases today. Jeff... There's 250 cases. I would say that's low. <laughs> I think I'd be happy with that. <laughs> no, I'm. it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're doing our job as yeah. Albertans. We're doing a great job. We're, we're driving it down. And I am not, like, I'm not waving a Jason Kenny flag. But this seems to be working out okay. Other than the poor people who are dying, and they are dying. But... Our economy, we haven't, we don't have a curfew. We don't have police driving up the, down the streets with their lights on, you know, scaring people to stay in their homes like they are in Quebec. You know, like our schools are open. Our children are able to go to schools and get, you know, social interaction, which is so desperately needed right now. Right. Like, so I, I, I you know, I'm not giving up a passing grade, but I don't think any government. And including Justin Trudeau's knew how to deal with this. So, you know, it's you got to look at it from a, you know, devil's advocate perspective, I think, and just not skewer everybody all the time. Well, as I said, there's a learning curve with it. It was a learning curve with a subject that none of us had ever experienced except for 100 years ago. And the world, the world's a different place. 
I didn't hear about their lockdowns. No. Well, yeah. You get the flu, you're dead. Yeah. Well, it's easy to lock people down when your mode of transportation is a horse and buggy. You don't have to really enter. Like, hey, can you get to the next town? No, it takes me eight hours. I'm not going. So, like, well, I'm sure they had rickshaws and <laughs> Model Ts. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Anyways, I will. I wanted to go on a little bit of a light note in regards to the media too. And I am not going to go into detail about the GameStop thing that's taken place in the stock market over the last 10 days. Although it is an interesting story. I, I have enjoyed reading up on it. But did you stonks? Did you catch the uh did you catch the kid who was interviewed by the New York Post about how he quote unquote second mortgaged his parents' house to buy more GameStop same GameStop stock? No. So he had put it on Twitter saying that, hey, I my parents are away at work, so I've remortgaged their house to be able to buy more stock. That didn't so, happen. Well, <laughs> yeah. See, you asked the logical question that any citizen or normal human being would ask. And so the New York Post interviewed him, printed it. Fox News also ran with it online. No. Yeah. And he was like. He's like, yeah, I didn't do that. What, what is wrong, what's wrong with you people? You no journalistic integrity at all. You can't remortgage your parents' house. Well, obviously not. But nobody checked in on it. It's ridiculous. Oh my god! Why? Why? But you know, yeah, just, I just found it comical. And of course, the guy's response is all just mocking everybody on Twitter in regards to the fact that they ran the stories. And I'm like, yeah, rightfully so. It's insane. <laughs> the best story I saw out of this. It was, uh, I think it was like a 10 year old kid and his mom wanted to teach him about business like a couple of years ago or last year. So she bought him like $60 worth of stocks, 10 game. Is it GameStop? GameStop. Game, yeah. Whatever. GameStop stocks yeah. at six bucks each. He ended up like taking home like 3,500 bucks or whatever. Yeah. He bought like gaming gear, anything like a, a kid would ever want. But like, Good for him. That's like a feel-good story out of this. No, right? yeah, absolutely. And then also, the feel-good story is like some of these hedge funds taking a, uh, taking a literally bath, bath <laughs> yeah. on some of this stuff. And Dave Portnoy, oh, um, yeah. from Barstool, you know, he had. I love his press conferences. You know, when he came out and he talked about the NWHL, and uh, he came out and talked to this, and he's like, these companies that were blocking people from either buying or selling their stocks because of what was going on. Like there's gotta be like congressional, like criminal investigations in regards to these companies, because that is criminal. That's protecting the rich and not playing fairly in what's going on. Well, obviously like, uh, I'm going to assume that you and I are not well-versed enough to dive headfirst into this topic and tear it apart. No, no. So, no. so we should bring a stock. We should bring somebody, somebody smarter than us on this one. But I, I do believe there was a class action lawsuit filed on Saturday morning in the Southern district of New York. So that is interesting. We'll see where that comes out. I'm not, I'm not a huge bar stool sports fan, but I do check them out. And I, I do appreciate that he was effectively, he's got a platform to be an advocate for the small for the small guy. And that's what he did. I, I appreciate that. The other part that I really love too was the, um, I have no idea who the guy was, but I've seen, seen him in like nine different interviews where he's effectively saying, this is an attack on the rich. We all need to stick together. And I'm like, man. Oh yeah. The guy was like, these idiots. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if your stock, if your <laughs> spokesman is like a 75 year old white, rich white dude, where <laughs> like, it's just like you're not going to get a lot of sympathy from the general public 
<laughs> the guy looked like one for the millennials, boomer. <laughs> the guy looked like he came up with Gordon Gecko for God's sake. I was like, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, I saw that guy. He was he was right pissed. Oh, he, yeah. was, he was old man pissed. Yeah. <laughs> like, they can't do that to us. We gotta stick together. I, idiots. <laughs> I really enjoy that. That's now, re- regardless of anything that comes out of it, and I, unfortunately, I don't think anyone's going to actually be like, "Oh, I was hoisted by own, hoisted by my own petard here." But it is a great story, and it's fun to listen. It's to. a great story, but it's also messed up to think that these 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 guys got on a Reddit page and started like, and I don't even know what Reddit is. Well, but <laughs> they just went to town and like, yeah, I got a bad stack, and it's like, oh god. Oh, oh my God. Like th- that's messed up. If you think about it, the like GameStop stock at the numbers that it was at. Oh, yeah, like, it's insane. It does not make sense. They're not a good company. <laughs> they people download games on their on their on their things. They don't go buy their games anymore. Um, there's no reason for that stock to go up. So in, in that theory, if you sit on that side of the fence, yeah. There's something broken. So well, uh, yeah. As I said, like I did a little bit of light research, and obviously their earnings per share and everything is down across the board. I'm like, yeah, brick and mortar stores aren't exactly thriving in today's world, let alone like before COVID. So yeah, it's not a it's not something you want to jump in on. But or at least that's my read of the situation. But no, it, it is fun. But uh, to the Reddit thought, as admitted on this podcast multiple times, I am not on the up and up on social media, and I'm not hipping with it. I went to that Wall Street Bets Reddit thread, and I was like, I've lost. I don't even know what I'm reading. Here. <laughs> like, I couldn't really quite tell where the information was. <laughs> so I, I want to touch on one last thing. It's our topic du jour. Obviously, the paranormal UFO topic, and you do have something you bring up. I just want to touch on things have gone quiet in regards to like the government chat, all the insiders, the Lou Elizondo, um, you know, uh, a tip guy who's part of the Tom DeLong group, uh, the Academy to the Stars. Um, all that stuff's gone quiet, but they always send out these teasers like, we're working on something big, and it's like, Okay, well, hurry the hurry the f up. Yeah. But uh, my thought is that I think that you we talked about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Biden administration is is going to completely mute what was what's going on there. I think that's com- totally coming down the pike. That you know this whole topic is going to be muted because there is something out there. There is more and more evidence coming out. There is more and more footage being released on social media uh of stuff that's just unexplainable there was uh the pakistani airline um one that i sent you the other day which is really weird um you know i'm looking forward there's a documentary and we'll have to review this documentary when it comes out it's on the aerial school sighting um that's part of the phenomenon uh documentary but it's its own documentary um and that'll, that'll be coming out probably within the year um where the school children were they they viewed a UFO and they also engaged with uh, the the beings of the UFO. So um, I'm excited to review that. And that's you know that's when things get creepy. Is like the whole you know interaction piece. It's like kind of funny to like talk about you know oh hey cool uh, something in the sky. But when they can start getting into like the 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 creepy stuff like the old interactions and you know all the the UFO um, 
uh, encounters and alien abduction stuff. Um, that's what I kind of get get creeped out and kind of I don't really <laughs> I, I get I lose traction because I'm like this is kind of messed up stuff. It's like I don't want to go uh, any further. I don't want to read anymore. Well, and you've tried to get me to watch the Skinwalker Ranch stuff on yeah. Discovery Channel, and I'm like, I am no, I'm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope that show didn't get canceled. I, I, I do want to see them dig up this ranch. But um, yeah, no, I, I watched that that airline video. Uh, it is it is compelling. Um, a lot of things can be reasoned away. I think it looks I think it's a good piece of evidence in regards to, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that there's something flying around out there. So, no, I, I do wonder, though, if you are uh, a Tom DeLonge in this world and you're kind of like, Hey, I've, I've been really hunting these down for the previous five, six years, investing my hard earned money, uh, finding other like-minded individuals to, uh, consort with and, you know, work with on this type of stuff. And then all of a sudden the government's like, all right, 180 days, we're going to give out information. We'll see what we come with. And you're like, Oh man, this is like my last, like five years worth of work. This better be worth it. You got to be a little bit worried that you're just like, oh, man, this isn't going to add up at all. They're going to give you the Debbie Downer. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, like, who who knows? It was us. It was us the whole time. Well, that's just it. It's just like it very well could be like some Soviet guy walking out in like a gray spacesuit to be like, it was me. But but yeah. thanks for not doing a Russian accent. I can't be... do one. No, I know it would be something <laughs> appropriate. It would be offensive or something. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I think those guys are, I think to a certain extent are probably in one breath excited about the aspect that this information could be coming out uh, on the other breath. Be like, Oh man, everything we put forward in the last five years might be all for naught. So who knows? And yeah, you, you touched on it and I'm standing with it. I don't think the Biden administration is going to allow us to get a lot of that information. And I think it's going to go quiet. So so if it does come out, is it, are you going to rip a toilet out of the floor? I think that's the I think that's the example I gave. So I guess I have to. Um, I'm we go- need to figure out how to take a video of that and put it on our social media sites. If uh, if this stuff comes true, I think uh, it'll be a good watch. I'm going to do it at work or Home Depot or something. I don't want to wreck my own washrooms here at the house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got something for me. I do. I do have something, and I've I've, I've decided I'm going to slowly pull back the veil a little bit in regards to me being a little bit of a psychotic with the uh, paranormal stuff. Now, we've gone through the scientific aspect of aliens. Uh, we believe there's enough research. We, we have? Well, <laughs> other people have. We're, we're soaking it up. But there is something interesting. And I, I, I've, seen this in the, I've seen this in the past. And it res- another one resurfaced this week. And what I'm referring to is in Teslas, much like a lot of other vehicles, they have a camera system that identifies pedestrians. Uh, it's a safety mechanism in the vehicle. So you theoretically just can't run somebody over. It, it works at low speeds. But it did. But it has. Yeah. No, of course. The, beta, the beta, beta test where the one guy fell asleep, I think it was in Phoenix, and it mowed down that poor guy. Yeah, right. Yeah, on the freeway or something, right? But uh, obviously. No, it was just the main. Is this a regular street? Oh, good. Excellent. They yeah. fix it. That you, yeah, never mind. Anyways, uh, it's not a fail safe. It's not idiot proof. But. What this camera does do is on your dashboard on the screen, it identifies that there's a human being there. So do yourself a favor and Google Tesla cemetery video. And while somebody's driving through the cemetery, 
uh, a figure shows up on the dashboard camera uh, and appears to be standing in the street and then walking off into the graveyard. Now, this is probably easily explained away by, you know, a malfunction in the system. Uh, It's not the only one. Uh, There are plenty others. But I do want to go down the path of kind of explaining to a certain extent that um, those who remember the Xbox Connect, uh, this is a, a camera system that connected with your Xbox. When you were playing video games, you could move around, jump, jump side to side, punch, kick, and your avatar or whatever game you're playing moved. Well, these cameras move on, or sorry, they track you on uh, what is called an SLS system. Uh, that is um, a structured light sensor. And now what this does, effectively it picks up movement. Uh, these Xbox Connects, much like the Tesla camera, have picked out entities that are in the room when it shouldn't be pointing at, it shouldn't be picking up anybody. There's nobody moving, but it tracks you across the system. Now, a lot of the Ghost Hunter shows use the similar cameras to try to track down human beings, or sorry, track down celestial ghostly entities. And, celestial. Yeah, I don't know. Because hey, you never know what it could be. So multidimensional. Well, like Bigfoot's a cryptid. He could be traveling via wormholes throughout our world. But anyways, I just find it. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Why wouldn't you if you could? Uh, true enough. <laughs> true, true enough. Yeah, that's OK. Sound, back, to, go, back to the Tesla ghost. No, no. It, as I said, it, it's not like I'm trying to prove anything or like that. But I just found it interesting. It's one of those things that like, obviously, you can be a naysayer when it comes to this type of stuff. And I, I certainly do understand where people don't believe that these type of things exist. But I I do think that there is ample evidence when it comes to, say, SLS cameras, pictures, uh, EVP, uh, that is worth exploring in regards to, hey, there could be something out there. And I de- don't necessarily want to be able to catch something like that in, if I had a Tesla or if I was recording something. So it's just something I wanted to bring up. It's something that I find interesting. So, Hey, no, that's uh, something I'm not going to look into because I <laughs> like to sleep at night. Well, that's the other thing that comes with it, too, is it's like you start thinking about this stuff at like 1130 at night after you woke up to go to the bathroom. and You're like, oh, God, <laughs> I <laughs> I'll be scrolling Twitter and I'll jump into the whole UFO Twitter verse for a few minutes at night while I'm like before I go to bed. And then I'll look out the window and I'll just be like, are are they watching us? Are they are they looking at everything we're doing? <laughs> are they are they out there and then ah eh, probably not <laughs> i i to prove that i don't believe every story i hear about this type of stuff i heard a great one about a guy who was when he was a teenager saw one in his grandmother's backyard went outside didn't know what to do so he started break dancing and so they started speaking to him because he was break dancing so so what, <laughs> what? yeah what? <laughs> it's the international language dance <laughs> that's that's why teenage boys are messed in the head and as uh, oh my god anyways uh, oh why were we so stupid as kids hey why do we continue to be stupid so (laughs) anyways we can leave it on that high note obviously but uh break dancing to ghosts (laughs) well it was a ufo it was a ufo ufo This reptilian wants to see me bust a move. Yeah, he'll run it, run DMC moves. I love it. Lock it and lock it up. 
Anyways, uh, before we uh, sign off for another week, Brad, any parting thoughts? Yeah, no, that definitely we need to do our, our documentary uh, review series. Uh, I think that'll be coming down the pike. There's definitely some cool documentaries out there. Yours are probably going to revolve around murders and ghosts. And uh, I really want to touch on like the Tiger Woods documentary. Oh, and, no, no. Uh, we can do that. What a tormented soul he is and uh, other good stuff. And also I want to touch on, I want to touch on the NWHL. I want to get dive into that because I found it really interesting that, uh, which is really kind of cool that Barstow sports, which is, mainly driven at men but definitely have uh you know female listenership and and viewership um their ceo is is a woman and uh, yeah but she was roasted by uh, some media that covers the nwhl and uh a new startup professional women's hockey league and um my daughter plays hockey and uh do you know what I, I, I want to touch on the NWHL, things that they can do to improve their league, um, things that they can do to make, honestly, like dreams for girls to play professional sports uh, in, you know, the biggest avenue that they can. Because now that I'm a father um, and I have a little girl who watches hockey with me, um, you know, I want her to have something that she can strive to, you know, she always says to me like, Oh dad, one day I want to win the Stanley cup. And I'm like, I never say to her, Oh, you, you can't do that. That's, you know, only men can win the Stanley cup, but we need to do a better job as a society to help um, promote a league for women. And um, yeah, I want to touch on that because I thought there was some interesting talking points um, from a large media uh, outlet, be it barstool which has a lot of viewers and, and listeners and coverage um, that was wanting to support uh, the, the league and was completely, you know, obliterated and they have a colored past uh, of doing things. So um, I want to get into that in a future podcast. Oh, well, why don't, yeah. Why don't we jump right into that? I, I have thoughts as well when it comes to the promotion of these leagues and how there's probably been failures along the way. And I'm not necessarily going to sit here and say that I have solutions to those failures, but I, I do think that's an underserved market that um, they probably need to do a better job of uh, promoting and bringing a little bit more to the forefront. So commissioner for a day, Jeff, that's will be our, our topic will be the commissioner of the NWHL for a day. And we will, we'll get it off the ground. Sounds good. Well, that being said, Jeffrey, you said we wouldn't do an hour, but we did an hour. <laughs> I'm I'm utterly shocked. I I gotta admit, like when I was trudging up here to put on the headphones and sit in front of the mic, I really didn't think we'd get it this far. And as I said, that was mainly more me having a kind of a shitty day. But hey, we made it, and I'm happier for it. Absolutely. And thank you, listener. And remember, Jeff's views and and opinions are only his own so i want to thank you for listening tonight mine are the safest so good night (laughs) good night and good luck good night everybody